0: The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all-new talk radio, Freedom 106.5. Welcome
1: back, to TNT. This is the final hour inside of Human Impact on Freedom 106.5 FM. And uh, right now, I would like to welcome Miss Wendy Rahamut as we do the Profiles segment here today and today we're into the life of Wendy Ramat. Just to briefly tell you about Wendy, she's been seriously cooking Caribbean food since 1995 and she's a food writer for Trinidad and Tobago Guardian since 1995 to 2017 and uh, she's been a writer for Newsday from since 2017 to the present. She has three Caribbean cookbooks, international publisher Macmillan produced the books, Caribbean Caribbean flavors, modern Caribbean cuisine, and three for curry, Callaloo and Calypso, quick fixin' recipes. And she's also a food stylist. So, welcome to the show, Miss Rahamat. How are you? Hi, thank you very much for having me on. And good morning to all your listeners. Good morning, good morning. So, I wanted to first start off by asking you what inspired <laughs> you to start cooking? Because, you know, sometimes we, we think of cooking as a chore. What inspired you to start?
0: You mean this career? Yes. Yeah, so what inspired your love for cooking? Well, honestly, um, ever since I was a little girl, I was always intrigued with food. I never dabbled in the kitchen, but I always loved to eat food. And um, I grew up in a household where there was always good food. My father loved food and my mom simply had to oblige. So um, mm. at an early age, we were exposed to many different types of cuisines. So I think I started there. And for that, I'm very, very thankful. So, we were eating all sorts of different types of cuisines um, from a very early age. So, I guess I learned to appreciate or had an open, more open mind.
1: Mm-hmm. And did she practice just one style or was it like different variations of styles of cooking? Your mom, that is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She would take a Chinese uh, course and come home and cook Chinese food, or she would bake a leg of lamb or. That Mediterranean style. She was reading recipes and, and making different types of food, mm-hmm. so different cuisines. Yeah, and what do you think the future- as well as our local cuisines? Of course, I mean course. we always had our local meat, Creole meat every day for lunch. You know, she made sure of that, and we had our Indian cuisine as well. So it was a very solid, sort of an all-rounded kind of um, kitchen we had.
1: <laughs> introduction, to and I was
0: I I was allowed to dabble in the um in the kitchen um. When I was a teenager, but I didn't really create anything very mm. mind-blowing at that point. Mm-hmm.
1: And from that experience, what would you say would your favorite childhood meal to cook inside oh, of the kitchen?
0: From,
1: you mean from what my mother made or what yeah, I made? From what, what your mom made. And well, I guess it, it would have inspired your own recipe, but what would have been the favorite meal?
0: Well, the things that stood out the most for me was um, when she would we would have barbecue steak or she would roast a like a lamb or she would stuff a snapper Mm -hmm. on a sunday and then of course she would always invite people to eat it with us it was always with company which was also quite lovely so it was a means to come together and sharing sharing food. food yeah yeah sharing food yeah that was a big thing growing up you know we'd always sit around the table have the conversations um i think a lot of people don't do that anymore and i think that's very important with families to sit around the table and have that conversation yeah
1: what do you think the future of culinary arts in Trinidad and Tobago look like?
0: Well, that is a very hard question because I think really, to be honest, we've, we've gotten in the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years to acclimatize an American diet. And I think we need to figure out how we can dial back and um, go more into the development of, of our local cuisine using our local ingredients learn the history of where it comes from and put those into meals to inspire people i'm not really talking about countryside cooking i'm talking about become making our cuisine more sophisticated um with local ingredients uh you see it being done a lot in south america and buenos aires where they take local ingredients and create very amazing beautiful meals i mean we have great cuisine here don't get me wrong Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to be able to expand that so that people would want to go out and see that on a menu, you know, not the American or, you know, the different types of international, so to speak, cuisines that we offer here. I think we need to go above and beyond that now. And that's where we would have the edge as well um, from a tourism standpoint. And especially seeing as food,
1: it seems to be an attraction for tourists to come in. That food experience is a big thing,
0: not so it is a big thing but I but it's more than the street foods, you know. I mean honestly, if I travel, I travel. I will travel for food. I will go to a destination that um there is great food or there's known for this no food. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna search out the, the fine dining restaurants. I'm gonna go to the smaller towns or the villages and enjoy the meals that are prepared in the little restaurants in those countries. But they use ingredients that are barely from very close by and locally farmed and that's Mm -hmm. what we need to do now we now we need to understand what we offer and and use those ingredients so those those new chefs those new people coming up they have to learn to make our our indigenous ingredients our ingredients into into beautiful food for visitors to enjoy if you if you know where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah. And so my next question to you would be what is your favorite ingredient and what meal would you create with that?
0: Oh that's that's too broad because I love everything <laughs> and it depends on how I feel, you know? Mm-hmm. Um currently I I really like our local provisions. I, I love cassava and I come across so many people when I teach um, cooking school that absolutely hate cassava mm. you know and it's just a matter of understanding the ingredient and knowing how to prepare it so i would take cassava i would boil it i would mash it and then i whip it up with eggs and cheese and garlic and i'd stick it in the oven and it gets like very light and airy and and luscious you know it absorbs any saucy thing that you put onto it so that is i love cassava i love fish um, i use a lot of local fish i go to the fish market myself that's another thing we need to try and find our local fish people and buy fish and not buy imported because let me tell you it is a, it's a is a big change in the way that it tastes you know mm-hmm. um so i eat simple but i i use fresh herbs and good ingredients to flavor with and i think that's the key to really preparing a good outstanding meal knowing your ingredients and how to
1: manipulate those ingredients to bring it forward
0: Exactly. You've mm. said it. you could I could have said it better.
1: <laughs> and that way I I I, I mean looking at because I used to look at you when you were on television as well and the way that you your knowledge of the ingredients that you're using, the way that you would pair things together and uh food is not only is just one part of it there's drinks as well. So can you tell me how you incorporate both drinks and food to make a complete meal? Um okay.
0: So Let's just say if it's Carnival, it's coming up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are going to have pillow, but with that goes a nice cold glass of Moby or a nice cold glass of, of lime juice, mm-hmm. you know, or some Rum Punch, you know. Um, and on the other side, if you want to get in creating rum cocktails, I mean, I think our Rum Punch is one of the best cocktails ever out there. And if you know how to make a good Rum Punch, you really have a feather in your cap, mm-hmm. you know. Um, with respect to... Like non alcohol beverages. I love Moby. I think that is one of the most thirst quenching things on a blister in the hot day. Um, I don't really indulge in a lot of sugary drinks. So limes, I will make lime juice. And of course you have to put some bitters into that because yep. that's one of the key things that that brings us brings that local flavor, right? So mm-hmm. um I think other than that, I would just go for wine if you wanted to have an alcohol alcohol beverage with your meal, and you just have to know your wines, you know, mm-hmm. and what you like. It's all about what you like as well, you know. People have to understand that you could you could you don't have to conform to tradition by cooking and eating is very flexible. So you may like a sweeter wine, or you may like a drier wine, or you may like something, you know. So it's mm-hmm. all about your taste, but enjoying. A, a, being able to appreciate the good taste of food then. That is, I think, is is a major place where we have to start.
1: Well, you just touched
0: on the carnival
1: menu because that would have been my next question. What is the best, you know, carnival menu? But you mentioned pilau, which is like a staple. And then pairing that... Sorry, go ahead. And then pairing that with either Moby or lime juice. But you were going to to mention another um, meal that is popular
0: for carnival. Well, um... It depends on where you go. Uh, so I'm like I'm a more cautious person with food, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm on the street for carnival, I look into people's trunks to see what they have. And half the time they're sharing out the yeah. watercress, and salad and something. Or you go if you go to Panorama Finals or Semis in the in the Savannah. A lot of people bring sauce and buckets. You know that's also a big thing for carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of finger foods, pies of all types are just always available. Um, that kind of those finger foods. I wouldn't go for crumb and dumplings. That's when you go across to Tobago for the next um, next stage. But if yeah. you go to an all-inclusive fat or fat, a lot of times they stuff the dumplings with crumb and put it in the curry and coconut sauce. That's another very popular thing. Um, things like cassava fries with shadowberry pesto. That's another great thing that people eat on the side. Um, you go and you see a lot of grilled meats and things like that. But I would tell people to be careful where they buy their food um, mm. for carnivals. So, because, you know, I mean... We don't really
1: want to have, you know, a reaction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we're going to the next question. Now we're, we, we're talking about, you know, getting into the kitchen and cooking for someone. Who would it be, dead mm-hmm. or alive? And what meal would you choose to make to cook for them and why?
0: Um, Well, I think I would invite Aunt Anthony Borden into my kitchen oh. only because... Mm-hmm. He's a very real person. He is deceased, of course, you know that. Yes. He's um, he very cynical, but he's also very appreciative. Um, it wouldn't be anything fancy for him. It would be a meal that reflects our rich culinary heritage. So probably something with an Amerindian touch, a Creole, and an Indian dish as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Creole or African dish would be something like pilau. It would be some type of roasted meat with fresh herbs and lots of um, soury ingredients. And Ruku, that that would be the Amerindian mm. um, part of it. And of course, the curry would come from our Indian heritage. Um, with a tall
1: so glass, yeah. huh? glass of Mobi, maybe. With a tall glass of Mobi, maybe. Well, maybe. I think he would rather the Rumpan show. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like that type, yeah. Yeah, he would oh, oh, good cold cold
1: local bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to name any names, but yeah, cold, nice, cold bear. So, would you yeah, say not, that not really would you say that he's your favorite chef or is there another one you have in mind?
0: Well, I like Anthony Bonner for his his narrative and his storytelling and his the way he is just so raw and, you know, unedited. I I really enjoy. I love that. The way that he was able to deliver and write it it was very inspiring Mm -hmm. um to say i have a favorite chef um i don't know maybe maybe i did many years ago but through the years i've learned that food is not about a favorite chef it's about the moment and the wow factor that you get from having a meal so that meal could be something as simple as having some grilled oysters on the side of the road in new orleans or having a simple meal in a little French bistro off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. the freshness and the wow factor. But if I were ready to dial back, when I first started to peak my get my interest peaked in food, which would have been in Toronto in the, I would say, the early 2000s, um, would be a chef called Soussour Ali. And he, his food was very Pan-Asian, but inside of his menus you found a lot of Caribbean food because we have that that um influence from all over the world and his meals were well let me tell you very much a lot of wow factor Mm -hmm. the way he put together his foods not not super fine food not sophisticated and and fancy fancy with lots of um sources but he used his ingredients were fresh so the way that he brought his flavors forward was simply wonderful. And I think he's still around now. Mm-hmm. He's still relevant. And he's one still one of the great chefs around. So I think he's a person that really woke me up with respect to, wow, mm-hmm. we could do this at home too because we have these ingredients, you know.
1: And I guess presentation is, all, is everything when it comes to food. Uh, some of the, yeah, well, in terms of like the style <laughs> of cooking, what would you say is your favorite type? And uh, what is your favorite type of cuisine?
0: Um, well, I have diff- I have many favorite types of cuisine. I love our local food, first and foremost. Um, I do really enjoy the influences that we have. So, like I say, I cook local and I use all our ingredients. So I think we have a great advantage here. So it could be anything. It could be a great pilau. It could be... Um, a, a lovely stuffed fish or a grilled fish or marinated fish. It could be a curry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I also love the cuisine of um, New Orleans because I find their foods are very, the flavors are very big and bold and their techniques are very simple mm-hmm. but they love that they put into their cooking and the sharing of the food that they do down there is very heartwarming and unforgettable. They have a, a magnificent cuisine down there. And then I love Mediterranean food so, I would say if we kinda of marry Caribbean food with Mediterranean foods that's the influences from like southern Europe that on the sun-kissed shores and mm-hmm. going towards the eastern Mediterranean, like Turkey and Palestine and Africa. I think those flavours are big and bold but also very, very delicious. So and simple. Very simple all the way, you know, simple ingredients, very fresh ingredients. Always is, fresh ingredients. They seem
1: to make it so it look so complicated. You know, uh, you have to let this set for a certain amount of time, let this rise for a certain amount of time. Do you see cooking as a very complicated process?
0: No, I think cooking is easier than you think. You just need to mm. practice. makes perfect. And a lot of it is understanding ingredients, reading recipes and understanding ingredients. So if you want to create a, a specific, say, uh, Middle Eastern cuisine, you have to understand you know smoked paprika you have to understand um saffron threads from saffron powder um the use of olive oil and garlic and, and tarragon and, and and parsley and all the different and mint and all the different types of herbs that, that are available those are what brings the flavor of foods together and you can only do that by experimenting and pushing yourself a little mm-hmm. further i mean i do this a lot in my cooking classes i would have like themed cooking classes Mediterranean, Italian, or Thai, Chinese, um, French, but each of those classes teaches you about ingredients, and I think that is the key to learning, to becoming a good cook and understanding food, and even being able to prepare something really wonderful for yourself. A lot of people get caught up, I'll be very honest, because I teach a lot of classes, and they come because they want to learn something different. Mm -hmm. We think cooking, like you say, it, it looks hard, it looks challenging if um, it's something we have to do every day, we kind of get scared because you think it takes a lot of time in the kitchen. Mm. It doesn't really, because if you if you learn to manipulate ingredients and you understand your time frame, you can create fresh foods every day. Mm. It doesn't have to al- always be um, a stewed chicken or a curry chicken or a pot of or some soup. Those things take longer than people think, mm. you know, but it could be simple grilled foods with, you know, something on the side that doesn't take a long time. You could create a meal within half an hour, um, but you have to plan and you have to understand what you want. And then to create those different tastes, when people come to you they want it. they're tired of the same taste all the time, you have to learn about different ingredients and what that brings to the table with each dish. And and also th- being thematic in the way that you present your food, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, don't always have Chinese with curry with... We do that because we like that way of cooking. But sometimes you get tired of it. And not every time you want to mix it up, you know. And the inspiration will come from
1: creating a theme and then moving forward with that. I guess that's the, the first yeah, step I mean, to, to cooking, getting a the theme and then moving forward.
0: Well, I um, I read a lot of cookbooks. And when I lived in Canada, I took a lot of classes. And I took a lot of classes from, from chefs from around the world. So that's how I learned about each different type of cuisine because these are the people that will teach you about their cuisine and so reading books and 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 understanding um ingredients will help you become a better a better um cook but also um you have to challenge yourself too you know and you have to look for new tastes all the time so Mm -hmm. if you go away just say you go and you travel somewhere and you find something Uh, if i travel somewhere i would always pick up a little cookbook you know so if you're going somewhere like say you go to spain and you you have pie and you think it's the best paella ever mm-hmm. take a class or buy a recipe card with it on it you know go and collect your little ingredients and bring them home that's how you that's but then again i'm a foodier yeah? so mm-hmm. this is this is how i would do it I, I but think a lot of people yeah
1: i think um, a lot of people wanting to experience different tastes would go through that process of okay i'm going to get the recipe i'm going to go to different places and buy the ingredients and then figure this right. out as we go along. It's an adventure.
0: That's what they do when they take my classes. They would come and they would sit, and then they would go the same day, mm-hmm. and they would get the ingredients, and then the next day they would cook it. But that's the way to do it, because it's fresh in your mind. Mm-hmm. And so when you taste, like with my cooking classes, you would taste whatever we make. You mm-hmm. would you would actually taste it. So then you will know what you like and what you don't, and you go and buy the ingredients and cook it. And that is when you start to get excited about food.
1: So give us a fun fact about cooking that
0: one may not be aware of. Um, well, like I said, it's much easier than you think mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is. And um experimenting and um, practice makes perfect. You become it's people are afraid of cooking, I think mm-hmm. they they think it's a lot of time in the kitchen and a lot of sweat on your brow. But it's not because you can't be cooking too many things at one time, and, and go simple. Start simple. Mm-hmm. That's how you. That's that's cooking. You just have to start simple and move from there.
1: And you don't need to overwhelm yourself with the different types of knives and the pots and all the equipment that a kitchen's supposed to have.
0: Well, no, you need to have a proper set of knives. Mm-hmm. Believe you me, that will be your best friend in the kitchen. I would tell, and and, and good pots, but you that comes with time. Mm-hmm. I always tell people don't buy a pot set because I'm sure you you have a pot set at home and you probably have used maybe one pot from the set. Yeah, you have a favorite pot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you never use the rest, right? Correct, yes. Exactly. So just buy, you can buy pots now uh, singularly, just buy what you think you need, mm-hmm. you know, and then you build from there. Because then you will say, oh, you know, I think I want to make, Pilau, like a lot of people make pilau in the wrong pot and that's why their pilau becomes soggy. Mm. You know, you have to make a pilau or any rice is in a wide enough pot so that the rice is allowed to absorb the water, expand and then become really flavorful without being soggy. So, you have to understand your needs. You're going to find that if you start to cook in your kitchen, you you, you tend to cook one type of cuisine more than the other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you would gravitate towards that, like cooking Chinese food. Sure, you could cook Chinese food in a skillet or a frying pan, but at, at some point in time, you're going to want to have a wok. Because a wok is like fantastic. You can mm-hmm. deep fry, you can steam, you can stir fry. For two people or for ten people. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so you will understand what your needs are, and, and don't pressure yourself. Just just be happy. You know, want to be there. One of the easiest thing things about cooking really is wanting. Is, is you have to love it. If you mm-hmm. if you don't want to be in in the kitchen, if you don't want to be there, your food is not going to turn out good. Eh? So that old adage is like um, you have to cook with love. Yes, that that is very true,
1: mm-hmm. very very true. Because it comes out in the the presentation, and not only the taste of your meal after cooking. Yeah, do you cook a lot? I cook some. Yeah, I try to uh, cook as much as possible because eating out is expensive. So... Yes,
0: agreed. So what
1: do you like to cook? Uh, Well, I like to do soups. I like to do potato salad because it's quick and easy. Um, Fish, sometimes, depending on the price of it, because the prices jump up ever so often. Right. Yeah. And, well, I'm I'm a dessert person too, so cheesecake... Breads, that kind of thing. Oh,
0: right. oh! Well, well, so you're good all rounder. Well,
1: yeah, and I have my daughter who uh, she's does cooking classes as well. She studied um, food and nutrition in school, so she is like a, a, the more of a pro than I am. But I learned from you know observing aunts and grandmothers and mothers in the kitchen. Yes. So yeah.
0: So good. So then you 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 have a good foundation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wanted to ask you too, seeing that our uh, culinary styles in Trinidad and Tobago is multinational, how do we cook or what are the four tips you can give to maintaining a healthy diet with all of this great food that surrounds us?
0: Okay, well, first of all, I'd say you have to avoid processed foods. Mm. So all the salami and the sausage and the whatever we like to buy, um, that's a number one killer. Um Try and limit your refined grains in favor of whole grains and provisions. We have we have a variety of provisions, green fig, plantain. I mean, that should be on your plate every day and they taste good, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they go with everything. You can find different ways. I mean, that same potato salad you make, you could make provision salad with dashin or breadfruit, you know, or sweet mm-hmm. potato. So we have to learn to use our our carbs in a more positive way. Um, I think we need to cook as well using the, all the freshest ingredients that we could find. And that's why I keep preaching to people, if they can't go to the market, if you can't go to the market once or twice for the month, or, I mean, every week or bi-weekly, and buy your ingredients. Number one, it's fresher. Mm-hmm. Number two, you get to have the conversation with the farmers. Number three, you buy what is seasonal. You know, and that I think is the key to having to being healthier. Don't go searching for something that's imported and then you have to mortgage your bank to buy um, your house to buy it. You know, <laughs> try yes. and stick with local <laughs> ingredients mm-hmm. um, and, and eat fresh. Try and cook every day if you can. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. And, and cook healthier methods, use healthier ways to cook. Like, you don't know, stew and curry everything. Try and grill a little bit, try and bake more foods. Um, you know, try and lighten up your cuisine a little bit then. I mean, our local cuisine is very delicious, but you can lighten it, and there are different ways that we can prepare our same ingredients. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be exciting for you too. But the food, cook, cook, cook from home, you'll be healthy and you'll save money.
1: Yep, definitely. Can you share the pivotal moments in your culinary journey that shaped your approach to cooking?
0: Um Yes, well, when I first started Caribbean Flavours on television, I had to create local meals using local ingredients. That was my my challenge. Um, and so I was able to, every week, we had to deliver three recipes on television. So um, I, I would find the ingredients and work backwards and say, okay, so what can I do with this? And mm-hmm. what I really ended up doing was taking our local ingredients and matching them to traditional methods. Mm-hmm. So instead of making like a scallop potato with white potatoes we'd make it with a sweet potato or like i said earlier really, instead of making mashed potatoes we would make mashed cassava you know instead of making a, a chicken that is flavored with i don't know foreign um sprinkles we would just use our own local herbs and spices and mm-hmm. you know take things a little bit further by using our fruits into our desserts and things like that so that that pushed me along that um that part of becoming, um, how you should say, uh, challenging me. Mm-hmm. And um, then after that, I that book paved the way for my um, publication of Caribbean flavors through Macmillan. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it went from Caribbean flavors to my other cookbooks, Modern Caribbean Cuisine and Curry Caligo and Calypso. So I was able to keep on creating Mm-hmm. different types of dishes and as the years went on they got a little more eclectic i got a little more confident and i was able to pull on all these different ingredients and create i i think they're wonderful recipes mm-hmm. and um and then one thing led to another you know after that after the show then i started up a, a caribbean gourmet magazine which lasted like 10 years and then the school and so just one thing just led to led another, to another. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: and as a, a female starting uh Caribbean flavors, uh, cooking show on television, what were some of the challenges? Because you you said that we had to use the indigenous flavors and uh, foods to create those dishes. Was there any pressure to stick to the more traditional dishes, let's say from what you would saw from like Julia Child or any other um, popular chef on television at the time?
0: Well, no no because um it was our production so i pretty mm. much had um all the way i wanted and creating the meals so but i tried to make them different and the thing of what i wanted to do for for the people of that were for the viewers was mm. provide um recipes that they could find the ingredients locally, because a lot of people used to complain that they have cookbooks, but we can't get anything locally, right? Right. And people don't really understand, and it's not their job to understand. It's my job to tell them, you know, you can't substitute mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Okay. So that that is how it all started off, and it just opened a whole amazing c- culinary journey for me because mm-hmm. it was very enjoyable and and you know, and from from Caribbean flavors and the cookbooks, then and, and I started to get more into. Um, Food sustainability um, which is a big thing right now in this country and and supporting farmers. so then I started um, indigenous bites which is which went sort of dug a lot deeper into where our um, ingredients came from and who was doing what in the country to contribute towards that sustainable factor. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so it, it all progressed and it became a little more sophisticated in a different type of way.
1: So you're saying that a uh, sustainability and you know bringing highlight to our local cuisine is what continues to inspire you um, as you involve as a chef over the years?
0: Yes, I, I really yes. I did start to use more and more of our local ingredients and then I started to question, you know, um, why are we importing all these amounts of all this food when we have all this amazing stuff right here? So mm. can we be sustainable if we produce enough cassava? If you produce enough vegetables, you know, um, we have to come out of the mindset that we can just go and purchase it, import it in the grocery because it's going to tell on your your bill and then mm. vegetables that have come here that are imported, you know how long they're traveling to, mm. to get to you mm-hmm. and what they must spray it with. On top, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so cook local and, and so it, it kind of made me move on more into the buy local, cook local arena which I still pretty much have an advocate for. Mm-hmm.
1: And also, it will highlight the local farmers in Trinidad and Tobago, and what access we have to our local foods. Not so?
0: Yes, it will. It, we have highlighted quite a bit of um, of farmers and quite a bit of, of of agricultural byproducts that people are actually producing that that we can use in in place of or in addition to what we normally have. So, in the long run, if we do support local, we will bring down our imported food bill a little, but it, we need to change our mindset towards towards it as well, mm-hmm. because we still seem to think imported is better, which is not true with, with respect to food. I don't believe that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and, and it will prompt us to take care of the indigenous foods that we have here that can't be found anywhere else, that we slowly seem to be losing, because they're not appearing as often as they used to.
0: They're not a parent because people are not aware and um, they're not pushing it and they're just buying what's available in the groceries. Mm-hmm. So we need to really push that a lot more because there's a lot of amazing stuff out there. Eh? And um, yeah, we need to we need to get our children's taste buds acclimatized to local foods once again because um, I think we lost a whole generation. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> We've lost a lot of foods and fruits along that way as well. I wanted to ask you, what's the role mentorship has played in your career, and are there chefs who influ- influenced your culinary philosophy? You mean if
0: anyone was a mentor to me?
1: Yes, and um, if there were any chefs that influenced your philosophy in cooking?
0: Well, I'll be honest, um, mentorship, no, but there was a woman when I worked and lived in Toronto. Um, she, Her name is Bonnie Stern, and she... Was a culinary person and i started taking cooking classes with her and that is where it opened up the whole world of of cooking from different countries and and also how how you do things the right way using the right ingredients tasting ingredients and then she her whole journey and her whole culinary career was cooking classes and um books and things like that so i i thought when i came back to try to live I wanted to do that because I think it was at the time as well that um, food TV was now exploding. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of it available. So when I came back to Trinidad to live, I really came with the idea of writing for food, writing food articles and teaching. And then the show just happened to drop into my lap, which was mm-hmm. like really strange. but And then it all took off from there. Mm-hmm. So she was the one that I kind of followed her. And then I'm a, a great fan of Julia Child because... Her book, *The Way to Cook*, is one of the one of the books that I still refer to because there's nothing that she makes that doesn't turn out properly, and she has mm-hmm. the good old-fashioned methodology of doing things. And so, yeah. And along the way, of course, there are other chefs like Yota Motolengi and mm-hmm. um, Patricia Wells, and I mean a whole host of other people that I that I've bought cookbooks for. I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds of cookbooks, but. And from each one, you'll have something that you learn, you know, so you'll keep learning. It's it's really a lovely career to be in. And yeah. moving
1: forward, how would you... Uh, what are your goals uh, moving forward with Wendy Rahmat and cooking and on television and also with your cookbooks? What's the next step?
0: Well, I have a new book that I'm currently um, waiting to get published, and it has actually documented the history of food because I think that's important. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that what we consume here, everything comes from somewhere else. Nothing else was in Trinidad. And the only thing that was here when we got colonized was um, the Amerindians. Mm-hmm. And they had their own types of food. Everything else, it'd be every vegetable, fruit, most of it came on a journey. And we have to understand the journey and appreciate um, how it got to be here. And so this this new book does actually delve into our rich history and also, um, well, of course, recipes along with traditional new ones as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we have actually just introduced a new cooking show called Next Gen Cooking, mm-hmm. which is really conversations and cooking with members of the next generation, which I thought would be very engaging and relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, if we speak a dialogue with Gen Zers and Millennials as to how they feel about food. Their conversation on food and then we cook together. so it's a lovely it's a it's a mashup of things and I think that's where we need to go as well. I mean there's enough of recipes, recipes, recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have created a lot of recipes through the years and I still create recipes um, but I think we have to showcase them now and get the the younger generation involved and I think mm-hmm. that's real important. And then I have um, cooking camps, which I think have been really amazing for kids and teens. Mm-hmm. And so they come and they actually do everything from scratch. So they are learning um, how to be um, self-sufficient in the kitchen as well. And parents really enjoy that they can have that experience. And the children also yeah. enjoy having the experience and being able to to create these meals for themselves and baking as well. I'm sure it... it, it...
1: Brings a light to their eyes and say, well, look, I could make this. I'm going to show off for yeah. me <laughs> in terms of the young yeah. ones, you know, and then and have you know have a whole kitchen. That that was my daughter. When she realized that she could make one thing, it was like the entire kitchen just take over and it's food all over. I was like, right, good. So you will be the cook from now on. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, that's how they get empowered. Eh? And mm-hmm. once it comes out good, they move on to other things. So, yeah. And for me, it's about staying relevant. You know going off of television onto online and digital which is a different sort of landscape to navigate i'm sure you know that yeah um it is. so it, that's a bit of a challenge for me but um that is my challenge and I'm, I'm you know staying inspired i still bake cook different things read new cookbooks look for look at new recipes and now i tend to travel a bit more for food mm-hmm. you know so yeah. I would pinpoint places that or go to restaurants or things that would show me something different. Um so yeah, so you it's hard to stay motivated all the time, but you have to. Yep. Or else we'll become stagnant, you know. <laughs> and we don't ever want to become stagnant or irrelevant, right? Nope. That wouldn't work. But I wanted to go to the message board
1: now. Someone just said they just finished cooking a pot of palau, some fresh salad with a mug of lime juice, and that is lunch. I love Wendy's mm-hmm. cooking and liked looking at her cook shows. They are so simple and easy to do. So thank you very much. So that's a message from one of our okay, listeners. There you
0: go, the lime juice and
1: the palau, Hit yep. it's on the head, right? yep. <laughs> I mean, Carnival, we might change it to a little rum punch, but we, we get the gist. We get the gist. Yes, of course. So is there any last comments that you would like to pass on to young chefs out there, um, seeing as they watch your journey, that will inspire them to really get into cooking as a profession?
0: Um, well, the young ones, they just have to experiment. Um, the older ones, I would encourage them to read more books or read more online um, articles about food. Mm-hmm. um and you have to know where you try a recipe from a lot of people go on youtube and try recipes and they don't come out good it doesn't mean that you're you are a bad cook you probably just chose the wrong yeah one. so a lot of the times i mean for me um i learned the traditional way i would buy cookbooks from people that i that i that had a had a reputation for certain type of cuisine and so i would teach myself through those books how to cook something so i think we could still do that or just google the person's name and experiment and and they need to learn about new types of of cuisines and and go to the they need to go to the market and and smell and feel and mm-hmm. buy the foods and and understand um the differences and the textures and the tastes and the you know that that's what they need to do i mean something as simple as pineapple you could take home a pineapple slice it up and grill it with um, some bitters and brown sugar you know, and, and that transforms that fruit into something fantastic. We don't need, just need to make pineapple chow. Nothing is wrong with pineapple chow. But these are the things we have to start to do. Use our local fruits in our desserts. Mm-hmm. You know, you make desserts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would make a passion fruit cheesecake, you know. Oh, um, yes.
1: I've tasted that. There's one particular right. person who, who <laughs> made it and I tasted it for the first time. I was like, yeah, I'm, this is a new favorite of mine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when passion fruit comes around. If you have a vine that, that gives you a few passion foods, you can stick them in the freezer and they stay for they stay for two years. Mm-hmm. And it's it, because of the hard shell. You can use it all you want. And this is what we need to learn to do. I mean, you could use passion food in savory. You could use passion food in sweet. You can do the same thing with pineapple. You could put it on a pizza. You could put it make a, make a cake. You could put it in a stir fry. You know, I mean, this is what these young chefs have to learn to do. Because mm-hmm. if they want to be relevant in the future, I think this is my thing. And I think we need to have more of that people use in our local ingredients in the same way that they're accustomed um, cooking. Mm-hmm. you know, so you substitute and just don't use it in traditional Creole foods. Try and push it out there into something different so that you could still enjoy it because it will you will have the edge mm-hmm. and and it's all about having the edge and practicing with these ingredients and you unders- you gotta understand your ingredients when you manipulate into, you have to understand the way you make bread and the way you make cakes. You know, it's it's not simply from a box. A lady came to one of my classes once and I asked her if she'd ever made a cake and she said yes from a box. Mm-mm. You know, so yeah, we have to learn to do things from scratch. I think that is really very important. Yeah. And understanding. And you can only learn that really from reading and from taking classes, huh? Eh? Yeah. That's rare, rare that's yeah, that's how you learn. That's how that's a great way to learn. Take one class. You know and learn something and go home and try it buy a book learn the fundamentals
1: and then grow on top of those fundamentals
0: yeah you have to have the basic basic fundamentals before you start to make the sophisticated things Mm -hmm. because at some point you're going to reach a roadblock Mm -hmm. you know and that i think is real important just learning to cook basic local foods and then building from that Mm -hmm. understanding our ingredients how to choose fresh ingredients you know, how to manipulate them and how to cook them. It's very important. And, and becoming good cooks and chefs in the future. Well, Miss Rahamat,
1: it's almost lunchtime and you've made us very hungry. And very hungry oh, to try okay. <laughs> new dishes. So I'd like to thank you so much for coming to Freedom 106.5 FM and just giving us an idea as to who Wendy Rahamat is. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you so much. It was my pleasure having the conversation. All right, so we hope to hear from you soon and we'll
1: look out for your new cookbook as it's coming out. Thank you so much. All
0: right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Same to you. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.